It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, I'm Molly Jongfast, no relationship to Kim Jong-un. I'm a left-wing pundit and a writer at The Atlantic and Vogue. And I'm Andy Levy, former Fox News and CNN HLN guy and current cable news conscientious objector. And I'm producer Jesse Cadden, and I'm here to make sure things don't go too far off the rails. We're here to have fun, smart conversations with the wisest and funniest people in science and media and politics that help make what's happening today clearer. Our world has been turned upside down, and on The New Abnormal, we'll talk about the people who got us into this mess and how we'll hopefully get ourselves out of it. Hello, and welcome to another Sunday bonus episode of The New Abnormal, and we thank you so much for being here. Today, we're going to be joined by David McSwain, who's a reporter at ProPublica and the author of Pandemic, Inc., Chasing the Capitalists and Thieves Who Got Rich While We Got Sick. And he's going to talk to us all about all the corruption he saw during the pandemic. But first, let's have some fun. It's Sunday. You guys ready to listen to some clips? You know we are. Mm, Yeah, sure. Our first clip is going to be the first of two ads from the Ohio Senate race. The first comes from author J.D. Vance. Are you a racist? Do you hate Mexicans? The media calls us racist for wanting to build Trump's wall. They censor us, but it doesn't change the truth. Joe Biden's open border is killing Ohioans, with more illegal drugs and more Democrat voters pouring into this country. This issue is personal. I nearly lost my mother to the poison coming across our border. No child should grow up an orphan. I'm J.D. Vance, and I approve this message because whatever they call us, we will put America first. So okay, maybe maybe one of you guys can can help me out here. So in in his in his book and horrible movie, <laughs> it wasn't the whole thing that his mom got hooked on prescription opioids. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. yes. N- known to be coming across the border in the <laughs> the Sackler family, not <laughs> in Mexico. Which time is he lying? Is my question. Was he lying in his book, or is he lying now? I'm going with whichever of the Thiel fellows wrote this for him. Just <laughs> right. not re- reading yeah. his shitty book all the way through. Yeah. So that would be I mean, now. He's lying yeah, now. Yeah, I think now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, it's amazing. It's like, here's a guy who's so educated and so successful and has made so much money, but is actually quite bad at this. I mean, I'm always sort of in awe. You know, yeah. here's Teal is so rich. And he, you know what, he has this guy, and then he has another guy in Arizona who's also kind of like just very sort of uh, made in a lab. And neither of them seem to be uh, that appealing to people. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I don't know what the most recent polls are. The most recent polls are that Josh Mandel, the least likable man in America, (laughs) is uh, winning (laughs) in that state. Yeah, the only person happy about Josh Mandel leading is Ted Cruz because he might not be the most unlikable person on Capitol Hill if Josh joins. Wow. Yeah, the ad, it's just an outright lie. Like, I I listened to it and I'm like, wait a minute. Like, that's not what he said in his book. And it's like on the record. And it's like, like, how 
you just, you can't, like you said, you can't be that bad at this. You got to be better at lying if you're going to be a liar. It'd be nice to say it's a compliment that he's not a good liar, but in this case, it's not. Well, it's also just, I mean, I'm not sure that owning being a racist is the winning argument that <laughs> that he thinks it is. I mean, I just am not. Like, yes, clearly Trump has caught on to an inherent racism in the base of the Republican Party, but I'm not sure that people want to see commercials talking about how it's true. Well, like that, like the first sentence of that ad is so weird. Like it didn't mm-hmm. need to be there. You just start with, you know, if you want to do a scaremongering ad, just start with the stuff flowing across the border. You don't have to say, you know, are you a racist? Like why start with, it's just, it's just weird. It doesn't work. I have a theory. Please. I actually think they took, I think they took this template, like where they were looking at tropes of the way you do commercials and ads. This is actually like how all the Viagra ads started. Like, are you experiencing erectile dysfunction? They're like, all right, we got it. That was yeah, a winning product. Right. I agree with you. I think that's what they were going for. It just didn't work. <laughs> yeah. it, it just makes it, I don't know, the whole, it's just, it's an amateurish ad from a guy, you know, who should not be making amateurish ads, I guess. Yeah. My favorite part is when he says, Democratic voters coming over the border. That's the real scare tactic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I honestly, honestly, I totally missed that. <laughs> I was so caught up on the, on him lying about his mom that I couldn't even handle that. As promised. There's a worse ad in this race somehow in the same week. No, I don't believe you. Well, race theory is crap. Martin Luther King marks right here. So skin color wouldn't matter. I didn't do two tours in Ambar province fighting alongside Marines of every color to come home and be called a racist. There's nothing racist about stopping critical race theory and loving America. Josh Mandel, pro-God, pro-gun, pro-Trump. I'm Josh Mandel, and I approve this message. You want a fighter? Send in the Marine. Right out of Veep. (laughs) Pro-God? Pro-God, pro-gun. Pro-Trump. Pro-God. I agree. I do agree with him that he did not go to Iraq to come back and be called a racist. He came back and became a racist to be called a racist. (laughs) No, he went to Iraq as a racist. He came back as a racist. He continues to be a racist, but, and I think this is the important part of this story, he's a Jew. So, (laughs) not good. Not great. Not great. Yeah. Pretty, pretty bad. Not a fan of of Shonda Mandel. Yeah, Shonda Mandel. (laughs) But did you guys see there's a little bit of backlash to this ad? Did you guys see that? Yeah, uh, Bernice King, uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s daughter. (laughs) Doesn't like her dad being misquoted Uh, (laughs) by a horrible racist. But why? (laughs) She put out a tweet saying, uh, regretfully, I do not believe that I or the King Center legitimately motivated you to film this ad as it is in opposition to nonviolence and to much of what my father taught. I encourage you to study my father slash nonviolence in full. And then he was like, and another thing about your father. (laughs) Right. And then he decided the smart move here was to go after Martin Luther King's (laughs) daughter. daughter. (laughs) 
So he, quote, tweeted her and said, your father knew the importance of the Second Amendment when he tried to exercise his right to self-defense and was wrongly denied a gun permit by anti-gun racists. Firearms do not equal violence. Study your history better, Bernice King. Oh, it's his daughter, you fucking asshole. She lost her father to an assassin and his gun. <laughs> oh, God. And yeah. Josh Mandel thinks she needs to study her history better. Like it's amazing just stuff. The chutzpah, Molly. The chutzpah. It's a Shonda. <laughs> it is. It's a Shonda. And not yeah. a good Shonda, a bad Shonda. Yeah. I'm not using Shonda ironically. <laughs> we should point out, because I actually we didn't point this <laughs> We're out. We're going the, down Shonda world. The reason yes. Bernice King tweeted at him in the first place, I forgot this, is that he tweeted the he tweeted that ad out that you just heard, people, and he said Thank you, Bernice King and the King Center, for motivating me to film this ad. Oh, my <laughs> oh, God. So that's why she was—it's re- really important to point that out, that she yeah. didn't just jump on this. And he tagged her in the tweet. Oh. But he put her—he he said, thank you, at Bernice King, at the King Center, for motivating me to film this ad. And so that's what, that's what made her respond. So he—unless he wants this fight, like— I, I, I don't know. Maybe he thinks fighting with Martin Luther King Jr.'s daughter will help him in the Ohio Republican primary, which, you know what? Maybe he's not wrong. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to live in this world anymore. I mean, <laughs> sorry, I do, but I. this is not good. I know. Jesus Christ. Yes. <laughs> yes. You are saying sorry. you would prefer to live in a different world. Yes, <laughs> under the sea yes. in a pineapple. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's get out of Ohio since it's seeming a little bleak there. Go to the much, much brighter swamps of DC. One, Matt Gates had a little scuffle this week because uh, he's very mad about the woke generals. You guys said that that Russia would overrun Ukraine in 36 days. You said that the Taliban would be kept at bay for months. You totally blew those calls. And maybe we would be better at them if the National Defense University actually worked a little more on strategy and a little less on wokeism. Has it occurred to you that Russia has not overrun Ukraine because of what we've done? And our allies have done. But that was have, baked have into your flawed assessment. That? that was baked into your flawed assessment. And so yeah, I saw that the Obama administration the, the that we tried to destroy our military by starving it of resources. And it seems the Biden administration is trying to destroy our military by force feeding it wokeism. I yield back. I mean, it's like the biggest Biden has approved like the biggest military budget since ever. Yeah. Right. Ever. <laughs> ever. Yeah. Ever. ever. Right. Literally ever. Billions of trillions of dollars for more and more war supplies. But sure. But five billion of that is for wokeism. That's right. Actually, five trillion of that. Five trillion. Yes. Is for wokeism. It's all just the generals uh, discussing CRT at a symposium all day. You know how the generals love to read about CRT. Yeah. It was amazing to see the head of the army. He was pissed. That was the sound of a military man very pissed off. Yeah, that is not what you uh, usually get from the military when they are on Capitol. And then that was, uh, I think that was the Secretary of Defense, uh, Lloyd Austin, I think. Yes. You don't usually get that from Secretaries of Defense talking to Congress. They're usually very calm and, you know, they, they just sort of... You know, they sort of coddle the Congress people, and he absolutely did not. And if you want a, a you know an understanding of just how fucking dumb 
Matt Gates is <laughs> yelling at him. But yeah, but all he wanted was to say wokeism a couple of times because that's the thing. And what do you know? After being banned from Tucker Carlson for a year, he's now back on Tucker Carlson's show. Mm. Uh, was he banned by Tucker Carlson? He was banned because of the charges against him. Oh. Uh, or the, the the investigation into him, not the charges against him. Yeah. Wow. I don't remember. Like it was like a year ago that Tucker had Gates on to talk about them, and Gates. It was a really bad performance and like awkward, and they haven't had him on since. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. So you know what? He did his job. Like that's they're stupid and they're craven and they're pretty much just straight up evil, but. Matt Gates wants to be back on Tucker Carlson. Matt Gates wants to be on Fox News much more than Matt Gates wants to be a congressperson. So right. that's what this is all in service of. And you throw out words like wokeism and you act like the army is like the army has issued a, you know, the army uses a lot of acronyms and initialisms. And I don't think there's a CRT manual uh, <laughs> despite that. It's just the dumbest stuff in the world. And also, these are the same people who are always like, you know, Putin is so strong. Our, our armies, we worry about wokeism and stuff like that. But look at Russia. Meanwhile, <laughs> the Russian army is proving to be, to a large extent, a paper tiger, which is not to, yeah. to play down I mean, they're the killing horrors a lot of people, in, in but Ukraine. Yes. But, you know, nobody thought that they would be this bad and, and this sort of incompetent, they've suddenly, they've lost that as their big thing, which is like, oh, we need to be more like Russia. They've got the strength. And so now they, but they, they, you know, it doesn't stop them from just continuing to make up this stuff about our military. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When picking a commerce platform for your business, you have two choices. Or, I prefer, don't you? That's the sound you'll hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell, online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling your business's complexity no matter how big you grow. Step up to Shopify and harness the best converting checkout and the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands like Rothy's, Allbirds, Brooklinen, and so much more. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache. Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate your products, orders, customers, and more from every major e-commerce platform to Shopify. If you're anything like me, you're one of those don't put me in a box people. Everyone who knows me knows 
knows I'm a don't put me in a box person. And thankfully, Shopify never will, because with Shopify, control of your brand and business is always in your hands, from your storefront look to your back office operations. I hate when checking out from an online store and then having to pull out my credit card and type in all those numbers. A Shopify store remembers my shipping address and payment information. So if I'm on the couch and my wallet is on the kitchen counter... I don't even have to get up. Stop leaving sales on the table. Switch your business to Shopify and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their business. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash abnormal. David McSwain is a reporter at ProPublica and the author of Pandemic Inc., Chasing the Capitalists and Thieves Who Got Rich While We Got Sick. Welcome to the new Abnormal Dave. Thanks for having me. So talk to me about how you decided to write this book. Well, the genesis of the story that, that became the book was really, you know, going back in time to those really scary months, April, May 2020. Uh, I was reporting for ProPublica, taking a look at the outflows of just millions and millions, eventually billions of dollars to contractors to find things like masks and test kits and so forth. And just sort of came in a little bit skeptical, wondering how the government possibly could have vetted these contractors and just ran some some queries and, you know, looking for people who got big deals and started looking into them and ended up connecting with a contractor who was sort of an unknown. He had never had a major federal deal. He landed a $35 million contract with the VA, which oversees the largest hospital network in the nation. And you know, I connect with him and ask him, you know, how did you get the 6 million N95s that you're poised to deliver? And he tells me, well, I, you know, I have them. I'm getting on a private plane tomorrow <laughs> and I'm going to deliver them to the VA in this warehouse. <laughs> it's important not to have to fly commercial when you're delivering your stuff for the government. Right. I mean, and at this point, I mean, the airports are closed, you know, they're ghost towns. Right. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I'd done a little bit of background. I had a feeling he didn't have the kind of scratch you'd need for a private jet, but you know, I just asked, hey, that's an interesting story. I'd love to tag along. And he said, okay. So next thing you know, I'm on a private jet with this federal contractor. And just sort of one thing after the other, I, I start to realize I'm wondering, you know, is this guy who he says he is? And is he defrauding the federal government? I don't want to give away too much, but that sort of set me off on this nearly two-year-long journey of just following these mercenaries that federal government, being as unprepared as it was, had no choice but to lean to to deliver these sort of life-saving supplies just during these really horrible, traumatic months. Was it worse than you thought it would be or less bad than you thought it would be or about the same? <laughs> you know, uh, we investigative reporters are cynical. I, I knew from the outset of the CARES Act that people were going to take advantage of these programs. So just sort of instinctively, I knew to look at it. And, and I wasn't the only reporter to do this. But I have to admit, I came out more disillusioned than I thought. The federal government was so woefully unprepared and we had no national strategy. The stockpiles had something like 1% of everything we needed to address that first wave. And we really were so flat-footed that the response was to give out contracts to known criminals and fraudsters and people who 
created a company that very week. It really was disheartening to see how dysfunctional our government was and that and to see that failure sort of cascade from the federal level to states which are competing over the same supplies to your cities and hospitals, which you know they're trying to get their own things because they don't have help from the federal government. It, it truly was a mess. And in that vacuum, you know, you find these people who found a way to get rich. Do you think that the government was more dysfunctional because Trump was in power or the same amount? Like, you know, the $500,000 toilets have existed long before Trump. Yeah, you know, it's it's really impossible to disentangle the inept and callous and irresponsible uh, behavior we saw in those early months from the Trump administration, from just the national preparedness uh, and and our response in general. But I think it's safe to say that we weren't prepared to begin with because of defunding the stockpile, because we weren't taking it seriously enough. And it was made much worse by politics and poor governance and, and uh, leadership that denied an inconvenient pandemic. Do you see a world where there's some accountability? Well, we're starting to see some things now. Uh, President Biden, in his State of the Union address, announced the creation of a special prosecutor over pandemic uh, fraud. And that includes things like, you know, unemployment fraud, uh, people fraudulently getting unemployment benefits and and, uh, small business loans. Uh, But it also appears to encompass the Justice Department's look into these contractors who defrauded states and the federal government, delivered things that were subpar, delivered nothing at all. So I think we're going to learn some lessons. We're still learning those lessons. And the point of this book really is to provide a blueprint of exactly what we shouldn't do the next time we face an inevitable pandemic or other national crisis. And 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 hopefully we learn some of those lessons and are a little bit better prepared and aren't left to the free market and uh, you know, fraudsters who, who want to fill the void and take advantage. How much of this do you think, and this is a question you will never be asked by anyone but me, <laughs> how much of this do you think is because America is too big to govern? You know, that's an interesting question. Uh, it's not just that it's too big to govern. It's I don't delve into this too much because there's not an easy answer. Right. But we have to look at federalism itself and the, the notion that ha- how do we have a national response to something like this when governors of certain states, particularly red states, can enact policies that undermine what's happening in other states. And you end up dealing with 50 different epidemics, you know, with all of these different strategies. And, you know, at the same time, you have to wonder, would we really have wanted Trump to have universal authority over all of all of the United States. There's no easy answer there. I do think the American experience is unique in that everyone was able to compete for their own supplies. We had different policies in different states and municipalities. You had red state governors undermining blue city leaders on things like mask mandates. It really was chaotic. And when you add sort of the this notion of fierce individualism and how the way that manifests you know, through capitalism of this sort of worship of the entrepreneur, you see these people taking advantage of that chaos. And that was sort of the sweet spot I found myself lurking in and talking to friends from, 
Europe and and elsewhere, they just say, wow, that's a phenomenon we just didn't see uh, in this scale, at least. Tell our listeners something while you were working on this book that really blew your mind where you were like, this is even worse. <laughs> God, it's it's hard to blow my mind anymore uh, having, having gone so deep on this. It's just one outrage after another. I mean, I was initially shocked that you see the initial contracts that are given out millions and hundreds and millions of dollars. And it's going out so quickly that whatever math I did or my colleagues did was irrelevant the next day. And the federal government is telling us, oh, yeah, we're doing vetting. We're checking out all these contractors. And I would spend about, you know, a minute looking into one company and realize, <laughs> well, they have a history of fraud or they, they incorporated on Monday and got a contract yeah. on Wednesday. There really was no vetting. It was completely these contracts were given out indiscriminately. If you had connections to the Trump White House, you know, you stood a pretty, pretty damn good chance of getting a deal. Thanks to folks like Peter Navarro. Uh, his trade advisor who sort of inserted himself into the national response. And then from there, just sort of the credulity of some of these agencies. And, and this happened to the state and local level too. For instance, FEMA gave a contract to a company, and I detail this in the book, something like $10 million to deliver COVID-19 test kits to all 50 states and territories. And we start to look at it, and this company had no background in the medical equipment space whatsoever. And these are the these are supposed to be for the PCR tests, you know, the real tests. And testing has, is still lagging. We're far behind. This is critical to our ability to catch up. We look into it, and this company had been supplying these plastic, they're called preformed soda bottles. They are blown up with heat and pressure to become your two-liter soda bottles at the store. They're sort of like child's test tubes. You might see it in like your third graders chemistry set. And they're completely unusable. They don't fit standard lab equipment. They had employees shoveling these with literal shovels into bins in the open air. It's completely contaminated. And, you know, they're squirting saline. Completely unusable. This set back testing in all 50 states. And FEMA accepted those. So that vendor got paid uh, and FEMA accepted the product and it set us back and no one could use those test kits. What do you think the lessons are that government should learn? Which, again, this is like a question we have to ask, which we know, you know, government is so good at learning lessons that there should be no problem. <laughs> it does seem that history rhymes and we have trouble learning from our mistakes. I mean, obviously, your leadership matters. Who you vote into office matters. And that can have profound effects that are difficult to quantify uh, all over the place. But at the very least, we need, to, we need to shore up the strategic national stockpile. We need to make sure we have a handle on inventory. Uh, I found the federal government was tracking these things with disparate Excel spreadsheets that were like people were inserting uh, by hand and they had no idea where things were, where they needed to go. So your local Walgreens had a better inventory than the federal government did over its its uh, emergency supplies. You know, we need to, we can fix things like that and try to create an infrastructure that could be used in, in a useful and immediate way, no matter the party or the leaders in charge. And, you know, hopefully that's something that you know, this administration is looking at, uh, as well as, you know, let's make sure we're not reliant on mercenaries and companies that are popping up out of thin air to deliver things like masks and test kits. As someone who's married to a venture capitalist, I often think about like 
VCs do have, and a lot of Silicon Valley people have this, where they think, like, if you just do business right, it can revolutionize everything. And Jared Kushner had a bit of that, and and he brought that to this, right? Yeah. Some of the reporting in those early months really focused on Kushner's involvement. Just there was so much palace intrigue and it was unclear what was going on. And you had people who don't work in government. Right. Wandering in and out. Yeah. All of a sudden they're in the mix. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I talked at length with uh, the admiral, Na- Navy admiral who was in charge of by the time the Trump administration decided to do something, he was in charge of the supply chain. And he says, you know, it was probably a net benefit because they were able to get things on planes and move them faster and 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 work around the sort of inertia of of the, you know, the existing supply chain. But the idea of the free market will take care of this and we have the will and we're American entrepreneurs being inserted into something like this where you probably need that very visible hand. The federal government said, we're going to control these supplies. We're going to make sure they go where they need to go earlier and gotten companies like 3M and Cardinal Health and so forth to ramp up earlier. We wouldn't have had states competing against one another. You know, a lot of emergency preparedness experts would say, this is not an area where we want to play with the free market. We need some control. And I'm no anti-capitalist either. You know, this is something I've talked a lot about with friends. The, the point of this book isn't that capitalism is bad. It's that our sort of worship of unfettered capitalism and the Trump administration's sort of blind adherence to free market principles just created madness in this scenario. Ish, because they also are like very mad at some companies and want to punish them. I mean, it's it's free market if we like, well, you know, if it's my pillow, but it's not free market if it's NBC News or something. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. Just tell our listeners one other thing that they will find fascinating about this book so they can run out and buy it. <laughs> sure. You know, as somebody who was reporting on the pandemic and a particularly sort of, you know, uh, bothersome aspect of it, but was also coping with the pandemic, I'm very conscious that we're all tired. You know, there's this pandemic fatigue. We we want to move on. And, and you know, the way I've written this, this book, it, it includes humor. It includes anger. It includes all of the textures of humanity and things that I think we've all felt. And while I believe this book is well, is an artifact of this era. It's really a story about us uh, as Americans and the way that we behave and the way we treat one another and the things we value and how us sort of leaning on our own instincts really hurt us. It really got in our way. You know, sometimes it's unfettered capitalism. Sometimes it's patronage. Sometimes it's just nasty politics. Uh, I think I had a unique sort of front row seat to a lot of that. And, and I've tried to bring that through. So my hope is readers will feel a little more informed about the, the sort of behind the scenes madness that was affecting us all, but also get a sense of, you know, next time we can do it better because this was so bad and so crazy and so silly that these are things we can address. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. The book sounds amazing. It's Pandemic Inc. Chasing the Capitalists and Thieves Who Got Rich While We Got Sick. Thanks, David. Thanks for having me. On that note, we'll wrap this episode of The New Abnormal from The Daily Beast. In future episodes, we'll be talking to smart folks from The Daily Beast and beyond from media, culture, politics, and science 
will help us understand what's happening to our country and the world. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.